Welcome back to the Beneath the Surface podcast, and today I'm here with Nova Garden. Huh? How are you doing? I'm doing good, and you? I'm great, thank you. Just jumping straight into it, you are an artist that's been around for a while. Your oldest current song that is up is over four years old, so you've been within our scene since like around 2018. Yeah, I was... I think it was 15 when I entered the scene, maybe 14. So it's so weird thinking about how young I started and how long ago that was, like compared to now. So I guess that would be my first, like, my first vocal song was Flower Petals and Vanilla Fluff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I had done like a couple of beats. They aren't good. So don't go look at them. (laughs) They're not good. The thing about that is, I know so many people that have started just from production, just around, having fun with it, moving the vocals over time. But learning the layout of how to produce, whether like you, if it's good or not, it's extremely important. Yeah. Like, huge. Because you get to understand a little bit of the music theory before you do vocals, which can help you find the BPM, the key, and things like that which you also have to worry about when you're producing. Right, which is actually music theory class or um, was the class where I started, you know, dabbling in producing. As a mm. guy. That's the class I started learning how to do that stuff. Yeah. Um, so did you do that in high school? Yeah, in high school. Because mm-hmm. I had uh, a music theory class my senior year of high school. It was totally messed up because of COVID and everything like that. But right. Like, a lot of people don't understand how important music theory is. Just for people within, like, the underground scene, just like that, like, it doesn't need, we don't need to be, like, extremely professional just to have fun and understand music and things like that. But having just that little info is... Right, it makes a big difference. It definitely does. And I've had this argument with a couple people within the scene saying, like, you don't have to know music theory to be successful within the underground scene, which in a way I understand, but it's only beneficial to know a little bit of um, music theory. It's not going to hurt you. you know. Well, I mean, my argument with that is, yeah, technically you don't need to know, but I think humans have in innate understanding of music Mm -hmm. i actually watched this really interesting ted talk i can't remember whose it was but what he did is he had people start at a singular note he he played the like he sang the note himself he was like ah and he had the rest of the crowd do it and then he would have sections of the crowd he would move like he would jump on the stage as if it was a piano and have the crowd sing that next note instead and even though and and he asked them he was like how many of you you know make music or understand music theory and all that and there was only a select few but the people innately knew you know what those keys were where to Mm -hmm. go and they had an an innate understanding of what music is and I think that's really interesting that's why I I love birds that's my Mm -hmm. favorite animal (laughs) A lot of music is obviously based off of sounds. And you don't have, like you mentioned, you don't have to have an ordate understanding of 
music theory to understand if a note is higher or lower. It's fully a lot of what music theory is is kind of finding it on your own a little bit if you understand what I mean by that. Right. Um, like you mentioned the high notes that your teacher was doing. There were people that were not necessarily like super uh huge on music theory yet and understood all of it, but they were un- they were able to understand the difference and find keys, which I think is right. really cool. That's really really cool. So that is a very valid argument. I don't think everybody needs to know music theory. You know what I mean? Right. But my argument is that there's only a benefit to it. Yeah. It's not going to hurt you to know music theory. So mm-hmm. I think it's cool that you took a, a class based off of that. And I, I think that everybody in the scene should almost, not everybody, is. it should obviously be a choice. But it's cool to kind of educate yourself to help yourself grow not just through the process of music, just to constantly have your brain learn new things. Right. Which is huge. But when it comes to you, you've been in our scene for a long time. You've seen the different genres, the different people come in and out of the scene in general. So you have an understanding of kind of where our scene lies do you have any advice for anyone that's trying to start within our scene or music in general um well I think the like the the advice that I can give is something I did when I first entered the scene just talk to everybody Mm -hmm. literally just talk to everybody make friends make connections because the more you talk to people even just in a friendly way, not promoting music or anything, mm-hmm. they remember you. Yeah. 100%. And uh, I don't know if it has anything to do with like my my artist name itself, but I remember people would be like, "Oh, I recognize you for some, um, you know, from somewhere. I remember your name." And the only way they could have remembered that is if I had been around, talking, just being active in the community, and supporting other artists. Because yes. if you're just like kind of hiding out, then not people, people aren't going to really recognize you. Yeah, I 100% agree. I've been saying this from the beginning. If you're even if you're not even taking music super like seriously, or you're just having fun like that, having those friends that you can surround yourself and make music and just have features done, done be done for you by friends, sending opens, just Surrounding yourself by people that share similar interests and similar goals to you also lead to them introducing you to other people, which it's everything in our scene is a big circle. Everybody vividly knows everybody a little bit. You know what I mean? Yes. So so surrounding yourself with the, the friends that are important to you lead to other opportunities, which are huge. Yeah, it's it's actually insane. Like I, I think about like the people I started in the scene with and how they are connected to other people in the scene. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's just it's crazy to think back about that cuz you notice like if you really look at it, you notice all the little connections. Literally, yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. There's levels to every single part of our scene because if you want to 
throw numbers in there that's that's fine there's obviously people that are different parts of music different quality and things like that but one way or another a friend of theirs is connected to somebody in a different part of the scene which ultimately <laughs> goes back to you like you said, right. everybody's connected in one way or another. It has nothing to do with the quality, the quantity, or just how big you are as an artist. Everybody is able to kind of communicate through technology, which is huge. Yeah, like even though I'm technically like in the the emo underground scene, I know so many people from the lo-fi scene and the funk scene too. Um because of the connections i have in this in this genre of music mm -hmm. yeah definitely so like i've mentioned before you've been within the scene for a while and you've seen tons of artists come and go and grow and it's really cool to see out of everybody you've seen kind of within our scene so far who do you think your biggest inspiration has been my biggest inspiration in this scene oh my god that's an easy answer i i have been inspired by nine tails since before i was even in the scene mm -hmm. yeah. um like when it comes to underground music and in, in our scene nine tails ha was like the biggest inspiration for me and that's really what got me into the music that's in the scene because I grew up very alternative. Mm -hmm. um, my my dad is a biker. He's from a family of bikers. And my mom was kind of just like you know the odd one out black sheep person from my from my side of the family. Yeah. And they raised me on rock music and all sorts of subgenres of rock music. Mm -hmm. And then my mom also is super into hip hop. And my dad, too, but my mom more so. She actually, like, I remember she told me when she was younger, she went to a Biggie concert when she was, like, 15. She loves rap and hip-hop. Mm -hmm. So growing up listening to both of those genres a lot, and just, like, early 2000s pop music, too, since that is the time period I, I grew up in, it has really influenced my music. And then finding this scene where it's a mix of hip-hop and alternative music especially emo music it was like a match made in heaven for me a hundred percent and like you mentioned you were exposed to all these different genres from a very young age through your family which mm -hmm. is massive we go back to nine tails he's paved the, the way for so many artists within the scene their inspirations sound and just the way that he was able to kind of almost make whatever he wanted like it's hard to almost label nine tails into one specific genre because it really is yeah as you notice through the years he did so many different kinds of songs right and, and i think your exposure to that many different genres growing up definitely reflects on the fact that you like nine tails because of the fact it's hard to narrow down one genre for nine tails, you know? What yeah. I mean? Especially now that he's grown into sewer person, there's mm -hmm. even more for him to explore. And I really, I really enjoy that as well. Watching the sewer person project grow. Mm -hmm. Cause I think this, this is my theory. I can't say whether it's true or not, but my theory is sewer person is the project. He always wanted nine tails to be. 
I agree. Yeah. And I would, I would love to work with him someday. He, I think he's a wonderful lyricist mm-hmm. and growing up constantly writing songs uh, and just being obsessed with words and, and lyrics. I would love to make something like just beautifully written with him. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And you start to notice like through the nine tails project, it's two vastly different parts of miles as you can obviously tell but you could definitely see parts of nine tails that are similar to sewer person nowadays correct yeah i agree and like you mentioned you think that his ultimate goal was to eventually kind of shape himself into what sewer person is nine nowadays from nine tails right and i think mental health definitely took an effect into the separation from nine tails to sewer person. I- I've talked about this tons before. You can easily tell through nine tails and sewer person. Sewer person's a little, a, a lot more upbeat, and he seems significantly more happy through. Sewer I agree. Person. Yeah. So I think maybe part of burying nine tails was not what he ultimately wanted to do from the beginning. He kind of always wanted to turn into sewer person's style of music but he needed to almost bury who he was as nine tails to be able to succeed as sewer person it kind of reminds me of like i feel like from nine tails to to sewer person like the the story of that is like the story of the phoenix just like a rebirth mm-hmm. Definitely. yeah it's a beautiful rebirth story and it, it was honestly for the better I agree. For him and for everybody else in the scene. Mm-hmm. And the way that I see it is it almost doubles his exposure because he has the fans of the Ninetales things, Ninetales stuff, and then finding the sewer person stuff, uh, seeing that new person, per se, and the new style of sewer person exposes his Ninetales fans to a new version or new genres of music they may have not been super interested in before and then you have the new people that just only listen to sewer person that helped grow him as sewer person right so i think that's really cool yeah it's really wonderful definitely so when it comes to the reasoning behind your name what would that be so I, another one of my biggest inspirations, which is what got me to take music seriously in the first place is Owl City. I mm-hmm. love, love Owl City. Um, it was a rebirth for me as a person finding his music. Um, and when I started out with the Nova Garden Project, I wanted to be a dream pop artist like Owl City, which meant to, which meant for me, I wanted to be very similar to like Owl City, like no cussing, very metaphorical lyrics and imagery. Um, and I wanted to have a name that was, you know, just as magical as Owl City sounded, but I couldn't think of one. So I just took two things that I really like. I really like stars and I really like flowers. And boom, Nova Garden. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But like you mentioned, just the vast difference from Owl City to other people within the scene is obviously a lot. 
but yes. you're you mentioned before you've always kind of been interested in like the lo-fi part of music which Owl City somewhat fits into so it's not surprising to me at all that you take inspiration from Owl City yeah uh it's it's kind of funny because when I first started out in the scene I was kind of looking to fit more in the lo-fi part of the scene mm-hmm. but you know, I was always an emo kid and I still identify as one. And I just, I love emo music and I love incorporating that into my sound. So it was always kind of inevitable that I would, I would kind of sit myself in this scene. One thing that really interested me through the last part of our conversation is when you were talking about your own music, you viewed Nova Garden as a project. Do you view Nova Garden as a project more than just you as a person, or is it just kind of a bit of both? It's kind of a bit of both. I think mm-hmm. I think it started out as a project, and over time, I've grown into it as myself. Yeah. Because at first, I was not intending on keeping Nova Garden as my you know, my artist name. It was just kind of going to be a temporary thing until I figured out something better. Um, I also, there was another name that I had in mind, which was like something purple. And I just, eventually, because I was online as Nova Garden, primarily, people associated that with me. And they remembered me because of my name and how unique it was. And I think I've just grown into it and it just it suits me very well and not only that i kind of like that it has stars into it because my real name is estrella which is mm-hmm. spanish for star so mm-hmm. it, it kind of feels like i'm going by my real name yeah and one thing that i've noticed a lot about your music is the emotion and passion that you put into it almost every song you release is based off of you can almost feel that these are real events that are happening, that you're passionate about it. There's almost a full-on story that you can recognize through every song that you drop. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, yeah. It is true. Because there's no point music, or that's maybe a little bit harsh, but there's no point <laughs> of releasing a, a whole project or music in general if you can't express yourself. You know what I mean? Right. I actually got into songwriting when I was a kid because of my mom. My mom was very strange. Uh, she's she's very she has a learning disability and she's just very mentally ill. Mm-hmm. And one of the weird rules that she came up with when I was a child is that I wasn't allowed to have a diary because it was too girly. So stupid. I know. But and my version of being like, screw you, mom. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. I just, I had a songbook instead of a diary. I was like, it's not a diary. It's mm-hmm. a songbook. So technically I can still have it. <laughs> yeah. But the cool thing about that is you were able to almost express yourself or use your lyrics as a diary, which you kind of almost find a loophole because y- your mom wouldn't let you have a diary, but you were able to express yourself the same way as a diary would through music which is extremely huge especially when you're a child because when you're a child there's so much going on you know what i mean and part of you needs to express it that's a part of 
growing up in an extremely important part. Yeah, I grew up in a family. I, I have made it very clear to everyone in the scene, and it's a big part of you know my music and who I am. Is I'm Afro Latina, mm-hmm. so growing up in a very Latin Catholic family gave me very little wiggle room to express my emotions at all, especially mm-hmm. with my grandmother being somewhat of an immigrant. I'm technically second generation American. And because of my family's history with coming to America and having to grow up in poverty, my grandmother put on this big thing of being like very strong, no emotions, because that's how she had to be. Mm-hmm. Um, she had to live that way to grow up in the projects of Manhattan and get to where she was. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't blame her for putting that down on my mother and the rest of her kids and for my mother putting that on me. My mom was a military brat, so it only makes sense that her military father and her immigrant mother would put this no emotion, strong face image for her to follow and then put that on me as well. So it was very no crying, no emotions. And if you wanted to show emotion, the only emotion you could maybe get away with showing is like laughter and happiness. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge part of what shapes you as a human being as an artist in general are your experiences with growing up which i'm I'm glad that you're vocal about that because so many artists have grown up in situations they're not comfortable expressing or they say it behind closed doors or close friends like that but you almost show it in a way that benefits you you express it and you're you're head on like you said you're very vocal with your background through your family which I I highly respect because not everybody is able to do that. Yeah, well, as a a colored woman, I didn't really see a lot of diversity um, in music growing up, especially alt music. You don't really see a lot of black or Spanish alt musicians. And so when I went into music, I knew exactly what I wanted to do was to help people who were similar to me. And because I'm not, I don't know, I've gotten better at talking, but when I was younger, I wasn't the best at talking or explaining things or expressing myself. Mm -hmm. But I was really good at doing that through my lyrics and through music. So I knew that the only way I could get my voice across to lots of people was going to be through music. And that that's huge. There's I think it's very important that you mentioned the fact that like growing up sometimes speaking about things like that was hard for you. So you did it through your through your lyrics, which is what I think a lot of people within the scene. That's a big reason why a lot of people in our scene kind of show a lot of emotion through their music they're very different when it comes to talking to them like one-on-one versus when you listen to their music right it's almost like a different person which Mm -hmm. is huge and one thing that i also really like about our scene is it's very diverse i think um 
there's a huge uh, surge in positivity in the last couple of years. More comfort. We have more people expressing themselves through their sexuality, which I think is extremely important. There's a lot of judgment, which is really upsetting, behind sexuality all around the world. Like You'd expect it to be better nowadays, but within our scene, I think that we are able to express ourselves through our music and through our own experiences to help us feel comfortable. And we always have, I have, right. You know what I mean? Because like I said, growing up, there was none of that in my town. It was, we were, I grew up in a primarily white racist town, seeing people express themselves in a way I've never seen before is huge. Right. Right. Definitely. And I feel the same way. I grew up in the South. (laughs) I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, where, you know, the rich, most of the rich people down there are white and it's old money back from slavery. So I completely agree. And I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to be in a scene that's so accepting where, you know, I can sing about kissing girls and being who I am and it also kind of helped me figure out like my gender identity I've always struggled with my gender identity mm-hmm. um, just not feeling like as pre- pre- presenting as very feminine but not always feeling very feminine yeah and so it was very nice to be around like to have such um, a group of people who were very comfortable with their their gender identity and being able to help me figure out what mine was. So I I can't thank the scene enough for that, at least. Uh And the sad part about just the world in general is the hate that people receive when they express themselves. And it's, it's really hard to kind of deal with that because me as a white cis male, I have, I don't, I can't share similar experiences that some of my friends do and Mm -hmm. i don't i don't face the discrimination that they do so i think is is amazing it's super brave it's great that people are able to express themselves in within our scene right and it's very comforting to have a community um Mm -hmm. that is so diverse and then also have people like you who are great allies too us artists who are minorities 100 percent, and i'm very vocal about this on twitter um so many things are unfair when it comes to people within the lgbtq plus community and i can't share similar experiences because i'm a white cis male but i want everybody to feel comfortable within the music scene especially too i want everybody to be equal i want to give everybody a chance to be heard and that that's something that we need through more mainstream music also you know what i mean right so i think that's huge um when it comes to all of the music you put out and all of your experiences through music what accomplishment are you most proud of oh that's a hard one I think I don't know I don't know if this if you can like count this as an accomplishment but 
Go for it. I guess I'm, I'm stuck on two things. My first album mm-hmm. and my first show. Because my first show was something like monumental for me. I like begged my grandmother to let me go to L.A. Uh, mm-hmm. with my with my best friend Tyler um, to just to play one song one singular song because I wanted to meet all of my friends um, and perform a real show because I, I knew that this was something that I was destined for mm-hmm. and the fact that I was able to like do it and I had so much fun and I met so many amazing people who are still my friends now. That was something just so spectacular for me. Yeah, and I agree. And the level of confidence that comes after playing your first show is you can't even explain it. You know what I mean? Up there, like, it's it's very, very scary. I'm going to be honest. When I did my first show, I was terrified. But after it's done, you get the warmest feeling. You gain so much confidence. It's extremely important for artists to be able to understand what it's like to perform in front of other people. Yeah. And, like, I, I, I've definitely performed in front of other people because I, I basically, I did choir all of my, mm-hmm. all of growing up. But this is, like, so much different because it's so your art. Mm-hmm. It's your art, and they're only seeing you. You can't hide behind all the other people you're singing with. And, and one of the things that I found so interesting when I went to perform is I was so nervous before I got up there. Mm-hmm. But the minute I got, I got up there, it, was, I, it all went away. Like, I knew exactly what I needed to do. That's huge. And I felt almost a similar way too but the one thing i kept thinking about is when you're up in front of other people performing you're at your most vulnerable you're in person people don't hear like the auto tune and it's very easy to be self-conscious you know what i mean definitely i think it's huge that the second you stepped up stepped up on that stage nothing mattered to you were there to have a good time, you know what I mean? And that's huge. Yeah, it was just, it was so wonderful to be there and meet mm-hmm. so many cool people. I got to meet 30. That was the, my first time meeting 30. Uh, I met Ari, Love Matt. I met so many people. I met, uh, I met Savage Gasp. I met um, Shinigami. Shiki, spooky bands, so many amazing artists. Mm-hmm. And it's something I will never, ever forget. It's an amazing feeling because we all have friends within the music scene, but you, your friendship truly actually changes when you see them IRL. You know what I mean? exactly it's the bond changes you get to look eye to eye in front of each other understand each other's like needs and wants without it being through a camera you know what i mean right and i was so 
nervous to meet all those people too because I I know how people perceive me online as you know very confident and Mm -hmm. just out there in the open but mind you I just turned 18 and I was in a completely different city and it was just me and my best friend and I was so nervous and quiet quiet and shy and awkward and I was like oh my god these people probably think I'm such a weirdo right now but everyone was so open arms and loving and welcoming I remember like during the show there was like a bunch of moshing and I had always wanted to to go like mosh in a mosh pit and I was like staring at the mosh pit and I was so excited and so hyped up and I was standing next to love Matt and he looks at me and he was like you want to go in there and I was like yeah I do and he was like go do it then yeah and it was like it was like it's so crazy how how simple that sentence was but how much Mm -hmm. it did for me and then after the show he invited me over to um their house and i got to meet skelly and just like a bunch of other people and hang out and play mario kart in their living room that had no couch yet Mm -hmm. and it was just a really fun experience and very loving and welcoming 100 percent, because like you mentioned being face to face with someone irl is a lot different than the way people act on social media you know what i mean right tons of people that are going through very very tough situations that they don't share through social media because that's their voice you know what i mean you never really know what people are going through until you're there with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's huge to be able to understand what it's like to have almost a friend online versus a friend that you can like actually genuinely get to know because it's very different through text. Definitely. Oh, yeah. And then my first album was a monumental point for me because I was in a terrible relationship and I was, you know, still in it, but I was leaving it. Mm -hmm. And the creation of Supernova was me departing from that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... Because I didn't involve them at all. They they used to like mix all my vocals and I would involve them in all my music. And I had purposely made sure not to involve them in that album because I didn't want to be discouraged. I knew that what I was making was important and good. That's and I didn't funny. want them to like shut that down for me. So I, I did the whole album really on my own i had my friend my like one of my oldest music friends omu mix the entire thing mm-hmm. and i i basically kept it in secrecy until promotion mm-hmm. and it was just it was such a like empowering thing for me cuz like basically after that album was done i left them mm-hmm. cuz i knew that i 
was better than they wanted me to think that I was. Definitely. And that's huge. Just to be able to understand that in, a, in perspective that this person may have been holding you back. And the only way to separate yourself was through, well, not the only way, but a way that you used was separating yourself from them through your music. You know what I mean? Like you mentioned, you wanted to do this by yourself. You wanted to separate yourself. You didn't want them to mix for you. You didn't want this to involve them whatsoever, which is, I think, a huge step on what ultimately, like you mentioned, resolved the situation. Yes. You know what I mean? It's a separation and the good feeling you have of almost doing something new. Like you mentioned, this person had been mixing for you for a while and you were able to almost do this confidently in secrecy, right? My first album was only, I think, 12 tracks. It was supposed to be 13, but one of my songs I ended up, like, not putting on the album. Yeah. But even but I, I remember I spent, like, I was still in high school. I had a job. And then, so I'd, I would be in school, go to work, mm -hmm. and then come home and work on my first album, Supernova, till, like, most of the time, 3 a.m. And then get two hours of sleep go to school and start it all over again yes and i agree and as an artist you could notice the difference in confidence and quality in from the from supernova compared to oopsie daisy you know what i mean it it's almost a totally different version of yourself it's a different project you're explaining things differently you grow as an artist you're constantly learning so when it comes to the difference between those two albums, did, would you say that you had a completely different perspective on music? Yes. I, well, not even on music, more on my image in the scene mm -hmm. is what changed. Um, I noticed that because I started in the scene pretty young, even though it's hard to explain like when I started out on the scene young it was super no sexualization obviously mm -hmm. um, but then when I had turned 18 there was still a people kind of infantile like ugh, I don't even know how to say that word like just treating me like a child mm -hmm. and not seeing me as an adult or a person who can talk about sexual experiences so that's kind of something that i incorporated into oopsie daisy a lot yeah i'm like i know you guys want to treat me like i'm four years old just because of you know my lyrics and how i dress and mm -hmm. and all of that stuff and just my aesthetic in general but my aesthetic has nothing to do with who you I don't are. know, like me, like who yeah. I am. Right. And it was, it was kind of nice being able to like be openly sexual because mm -hmm. like I, I kind of felt, you know, uncomfortable with it at first. I was like, oh my God, this is probably going to seem weird from me. It's not going to sound good. But I ended up 
really liking some of my more sensual songs mm-hmm. on there. Yeah. And I, I can relate to the sense that I was 17 when I started making music. I always had friends older than me, so there was things that like I, I couldn't talk about with them, you know what I mean? And when I turned 18, I they almost they still viewed me as I was underage and I kind of was treated similarly and obviously I know from 17 to 18 like it's a big jump like that is that changes a lot of things right and you want it to immediately take effect you want to be you want to express yourself the way you could uh, you couldn't when you were underage and things like that but not everybody views it as such a big difference right you know what I mean And it's just, like, it it was just hard because, especially, like, being a female, Mm -hmm. even when I was underage, I was still being sexualized, Mm -hmm. but then when I turned 18, it was like they were afraid to sexualize me. It was very confusing. (laughs) It's super confusing. And I think... I don't know. There's so much within our scene I hate, and a lot of the part is the sexualization. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially, like I I said, I can't relate to a lot of people, but through friends' experiences and things like that, a lot of, like, some of the uncomfortable things or the more uncomfortable things that happen happen when they're underage. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's really not fun. And it's not even in just this scene because I was very, I was very heavily involved in like the YouTube drama community scene as well on Discord, and they sexualized me even more. And then when I turned eighteen, they were like, "Whoa, don't talk about that." I was like, "What are you talking about?" The switch up is insane. I I don't get it because yeah, it's like so I can talk about you know, doing drugs when I'm underage, but I can't talk about sexual experiences or make sexual jokes. It's like, pick your battle. (laughs) Honestly, and I think a big thing about our scene, the sad thing is we have people that, we idolize people that end up making similar mistakes that, are put in the spotlight for not great reasons. And it's something that you don't notice when you're a younger person within the scene until it happens to you. You know what I mean? Right. You don't view it as a problem until you're sexualized. And then as you grow older, you understand more of how really, how bad it really is. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. And it's just like, it's a gross part about it the music scene and like you mentioned it's not just in the scene it's everywhere yeah it's literally everywhere there's creeps in every corner and i think the way that you use your platform is super inspiring to people that are going through similar experiences that they don't necessarily know how to talk about to other people you know what i mean um we see it all the time I feel like the, every week there's a new person getting 
flamed on Twitter for something gross that they did. You know what I mean? And it's it's upsetting. But it's almost just a part of what we do. And it shouldn't be that way, but it is. Yeah. Like, honestly, just get it together. <laughs> just get Seriously, it together, please. Honestly, it's not I mean, hard. <laughs> and it, it, it's, it's bad, but we go into the, the other part of the scene that I, I always talk about. The sad thing is about our industry is there's always somebody that wants something from you. You know what I mean? And it shouldn't be like that. You should be friends making music, growing, having good experiences together. But I feel like it's hard to do that within any music industry because there's so many fake people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I actually have had some experience with that mm-hmm. just because like you know there was a point in the scene before I like kind of took a little break and slowed down because you know I'm adulting now and I'm trying to get my life together mm-hmm. um but when I was kind of on the up and up again mm-hmm. I there were people who were trying to befriend me because they knew that it would get them good connections And I was told by this by another close friend who basically that person had noticed that my, like, that my friend had started talking to me and that they started getting traction because of that. And so they wanted to try to do the same thing. It didn't work because we didn't have like a really good friendly connection. Mm -hmm. Like when you connect with someone, it's, it should be, it's just going to be natural. Yeah. It should be voluntary. It should be just using friendly conversation you know what i mean it, it it shouldn't be anything uncomfortable you shouldn't be using anyone for any reason yeah. music is something that is meant to be done for fun you know what i mean that's that's the way i view it and not everybody has the same view that i have like you said there's people that want to use people in other things for traction for clout whatever it may be there's always somebody that wants something out of you right and And especially like as a as a female artist Mm -hmm. even though i'm technically non-binary because Mm -hmm. i perceive as very feminine um there are just gonna be a lot of male artists who want to use you as a ooh, i got a female artist on my song mm-hmm. and i wish it wasn't like that i just want to be an mm-hmm. artist i don't want to be a female artist i want to be an artist and that's huge that's honestly that's brave it's it's honestly inspiring too because a lot of people in our scene don't know how to talk to people you know what i mean right and having those friendly interactions getting to know each other through music hopping on a track or something that can easily help that but it can also put yourself in a vulnerable situation you know what i mean where it you're making music with somebody that almost isn't who you thought they were Mm -hmm. and that's a part of the scene that has been a thing forever. You know what I mean? Uh, you always have friends, friends, friendships don't always work out. And that's just definitely 
the case within the music scene too. Yeah, and, and, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, it's just a part of life. It's a part of life. But the moment people start to make a big deal out of it, like using their platform to slander somebody else based off of completely unrelated things or just stupid beef, you know what I mean? That is unnecessary. It's bringing other people into something they don't need to be in. And it's just, it becomes a yeah. And I, right. I, wish I totally people, know what that's like. Yeah, of course. I wish everybody just had the point of view that sometimes shit doesn't work out. You know what I mean? You can't be friends with everybody. That's not how life works. Yeah, like, like it, it's pretty well known that my ex tried to cancel me um, a couple years ago or so. And it was based on a lot of just like nothingness and hurt feelings. Mm. And I do admit, you know, fault. I did, you know, hurt them. People mm. get hurt. Yeah. And, but the way they went about it and because they just were a completely abusive person. Yeah. Um, just at heart. They tried to ruin me and I was not going to, I didn't want to be the one to have to, you know, defend myself with like a Google doc or a twit longer or anything like that. But they kind of pushed my hand on it. Yes. And that stuff doesn't have to happen. Mm -mm. If people don't just, if, if people aren't petty, basically. And that's one of the things that it's almost harder to, get away from the younger people start within the music industry. Cause we have tons of people that are 14 and 15 years old that are not mature enough to maybe understand some of the things that we do now as adults. And they use their platform in a way that tries to bring other people down. Right. Yeah. And, it's, it's, and I just, a lot of people bring a lot of their personal relationships into the music scene and it's like mm -hmm. it, it's not really that important i understand if that person is a threat to other people in the community yes. and they are an active abuser yes. then i understand making them known yes but, i 100 agree and but if it's something stupid and petty keep it to yourself <laughs> Yeah, and, and I'm glad that you said that because there's tons of people within this scene that are involved with each other romantically or friendship-wise, which I have no issues with. You know what I mean? But the it's the matter of if things don't work out, you're not being petty. You're not making people choose sides. You know what I mean? Because that's never a good feeling to have two people going at it with that are together within the scene and having friends need to pick size and things like that that's why i wish a lot of people would just act like adults you know what i mean they don't need to bring everybody into their personal issues yeah that's true but i don't know some people are just stunted at a certain age correct and the distinction between like you said a situation like that versus somebody that is an actual threat that is an actual problem they are a danger to other people within the scene that is a situation that i think talking about it through your platform is extremely important when it has something to do with the safety of other people 
Right. Like that, those are things that we should be, you know, letting people know about. Yes. And and I'm glad that our scene does a pretty good job about that. You know what I mean? Like I said, we have somebody in the spotlight about something I feel like every week. And I'm going to be honest, about 85% of the time, it's not something that needs to be in the spotlight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just stupid it's it like, is, oh, a yeah. person cheated on you? Yeah. Well, people cheat on each other all the time. Correct. And it sucks. It's not a fun feeling. No. But it doesn't really involve the safety of others or music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's just, it's not good for anybody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just brings unnecessary drama. And I'm guilty of that because I... <laughs> I I broke into the scene like when I was 16, 17. So I was still, I was young and dumb. You know what I mean? Right. And the biggest thing about doing dumb shit when you're young is owning up to it. You know what I mean? If you can't view your dumb mistakes as dumb mistakes, you're going to continuously keep doing them. Yeah, everyone does something dumb. Like, I've probably gotten on somebody's ass for for doing something so minuscule. Mm-hmm. But when I entered the scene, I was fifteen. <laughs> mm, exactly, and I, I do think that what a lot of people do on Twitter is not great because whenever somebody's angry about something, a lot of people jump to Twitter. You know what I mean? Right. And it shouldn't be like that. It's not. It shouldn't be used as a punching bag. Because it could have easily been a misunderstanding. You could have just maybe overreacted about something. Yeah. Or genuinely somebody did something that hurt you and you get angry. But what people need to understand is you have to put down your phone. You can't vent. You can vent to close people behind closed doors. That's totally fine. Get it off your chest. But people need to understand that throwing it on social media is the worst thing you can do, except in certain situations like we talked about where someone's like a legitimate threat. Yes, please touch some grass. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> and It's just, it, I, we could talk about this forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm going to go back to you as an artist and your craft and things like that when it comes to your music how do you think it impacts others i've gotten a lot of sweet little comments and messages from people um that actually explain that i like one of my songs from my first album worst days um Mm -hmm. you know was just about probably just like all the worst experiences that i can I can remember throughout my life and just hoping that an even worse one doesn't happen next. Mm -hmm. And I remember someone commented about how nice it was to, to listen to that song because they grew up with a, with a mother who fostered other children and just remembering, you know, being that like foster sibling and knowing that they're going through some of the worst shit imaginable mm-hmm. and how it just it just reminded them of that and that 
that song would be something that they would like to hear or just hearing from other people that I've gotten like some cute little messages from from people saying that they're inspired by my music and now they want to make music which is awesome it's always good to have more music in the world mm-hmm. and just hearing that it makes them feel less alone which is exactly what my goal was I just agree. for people to feel less alone and because i've been there too you know mm-hmm. one of the best feelings in, as an artist is to have somebody relate to what you're going through every story is different everybody goes through different kinds of situations and things like that but if you're able to narrow it down and find somebody that reson someone's music resonates with you through experiences of yours is huge yeah because i remember growing up and being so angry all the time because i couldn't relate to any of the kids in school none of them had been going through or had ever been through anything that i had Mm -hmm. everything's different for everybody you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i actually remember like my 18th birthday me and my two friends i wanted to have a really low-key birthday i was like let's just go to the mall and hang out the three of us Mm -hmm. and we go to the mall and then there was a shooting that happened at the mall while we were there yeah and then when we had finally gotten out of the mall um through one of like the from from through one of the exits that they had finally opened and we decided to go back to our part of town and just like get some pizza from one of the places nearby they were continuously asking me if i was okay Mm -hmm. and my friend like had mentioned i i just i just laughed because i i was like of course this would happen on you know my birthday Mm -hmm. the day which my sister had also died on my birthday when i was younger Mm -hmm. and my friend literally said which is so funny but it it also like is kind of sad she was like she was like, damn, you have the worst luck of any person I've ever met in my life. And I was like, aw, thanks. It, everybody deals with situations like that differently. I, I'm somebody that almost, when it comes to dark things happening, I'm constantly making dark humor jokes. I cope, oh, yeah, same. <laughs> I, I cope through laughing. I cope through just things that may disturb the people around me you know what i mean like if you're laughing about something like that dark i know but you know what i mean but to us it's our way of coping i know i i can't tell you like i feel so bad every time this happens but people will be like oh do you have any siblings and i like i cannot hold in my laughter whenever i get asked that question Mm -hmm. because i'm like yeah i have a sibling yeah i have a sibling six feet underground (laughs) Uh, and uh, not everybody can handle those jokes but in that moment you need to almost laugh with you know what i mean you you laugh with them because yes it's a it's a, a dark joke but it's the way people 
some people just deal with things. Yeah, I've I've started using TikTok recently, and Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many TikToks I've made about just terrible shit that has happened to me. Mm -hmm. And they're funny. They're so funny. It makes us feel better talking about it, getting it off our chest, and almost... I've always said this. It's better to laugh than cry. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of and, like, it also makes me feel like a little less, uh, it makes me feel more normal being yeah. able to talk about it instead of just hiding it away like it's some big secret. There's nothing worse than holding something in your soul forever. You know what I mean? Like that is super unhealthy. If you're able to get it off your chest, even through like a joke, that's great. You know what I mean? Right. And, and not everybody will see eye to eye with me on that point of view because sometimes people make dark humor jokes that makes other people uncomfortable but people need to understand the joke is not for them the joke is for you yeah you know what and i you mean you can't handle it you're boring you're, I'm just yeah kidding. honestly I'm just kidding. and i mean but n- that's that's why we surround ourselves with people for a reason you know what i mean there's always yeah. gonna be somebody that can't handle those jokes people that make jokes about it back it's it's a whole thing everybody deals with trauma differently but i'm glad that you're able to do it in a way that is healthy you know what i mean yeah and people argue that making like a dark humor joke about that is unhealthy it's it's not it it, yeah it would be worse if i had kept it like if i just tried to hide it and keep it like this big dark secret some incident that I have to never talk about because that's just going to rip me apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that we've talked about some private, but um, you understand that there was a shooting in my town. last. Yes, I remember last that. July. Whenever somebody brings it up to me, I'm like, I-, I make a joke about it. You know what I mean? Because that's my way of dealing with it. It was somebody that happened to have been my brother's friend growing up. They were in my home. and. and yeah. And then being sense. also also being like somewhat affiliated with the scene. It's just like right. it's a lot to handle. And then I I understand that you were at the parade when it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was I was getting DMs from other people saying that I was being insensitive for making jokes about it. And I, I don't you weren't there. These people weren't there. You know what I mean? that they don't understand the situation like I do. And all all I wish they would do is if they have something like that to say, just don't say it. You know what I mean? If it bothers you, just keep swiping. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dead ass. Like, leave me alone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Leave me to my vices. (laughs) A hundred percent. But I think this was a great conversation with you i think i got to learn a lot about you as an artist and that was my goal for other people too through these interviews is to kind of get to separate this the person and their music you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i had a, it was great talking to you thank you it was great talking to you i love doing these because i i don't know i i love to talk about you know my music and just it's it's a passion of mine i love mm-hmm. i love music i love lyricism i love performing i just i adore art Mm -hmm. and that's that's all you need to be able to enjoy music because music is an art Mm -hmm. but 
for anyone that wants to check out Nova Garden, I highly recommend it. The link will be down below. And I thank everybody for watching. And I hope yes. everybody has a good night. Good night. Got some more music coming out soon for you.